Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Disciples Quest. I'm Justin. I'm Will. And I'm Emily. And we are excited to come at you guys again with Philippians. Today we're going to be looking over the second half of chapter two. So we're looking at pretty much the midpoint of Philippians now, mm-hmm. uh, which is exciting. This is one of my favorite chapters or books of the Bible. Uh, we've got some great things in store, and I can't wait to hear what we have to say about this section of Philippians. Uh, but before we get into that, anything new with you guys? How was your week's? Hmm, not a whole lot new. A lot of the same routine, but we did a lot again this week. We're always busy. We literally didn't have a day. <laughs> That's not true. Okay, me and Emily had a date night. What day was that? <laughs> it was on Thursday. So that day, I guess you could say that we were free. Like it was, uh, it wasn't work. It was, uh, what's the word for it? Not entertainment, but leisure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. Leisure. So like, yeah. So we, we, we had 50 bucks from my sister to go on a date. So we used that. Yeah. She nice. gave us money just to go on a date. So we went to As our engagement present. Tommy's Pizzeria, which I got to say, very fancy, extravagant, like, um, pizza experience, I guess. But yeah, pizza. But like they <laughs> put salad. really fancy ingredients on their pizza, like truffles mm. and stuff like that. Truffles. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Caviar too. Uh, no, I didn't see caviar. Instead of cheese, is gold shavings. I will say because I've been wanting to check out that place forever. I will say very expensive. Like one pizza because most people get a pizza for each of them because they're not you know super big. You can eat one yourself. Um, but we got one pizza to share and a small salad, and it cost us fifty bucks. The old, yeah. whole thing. Like the salad was very small too. It was like a, so. It's basically Boston mm-hmm. pizza. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had much more fancier ingredients than Boston pizza, mm-hmm. so things are small. But like, I think people go there for the experience, right? Uh, flavor, flavor was good. Like it was real ingredients. A pizza heaven is still better, but like I said, I think people go there for the um, to experience eating at a fancy place. Anyway, you have a bias towards pizza heaven. I do. Well, it is good pizza. Um, but yeah, that's the leisure time. Other than that, we've been super busy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, yeah. today I went to the rec room with, uh, two of my friends and that nice. was fun. Um, and then after that, I went with William to a wedding shower for. We apologize for the sirens in the background, but we are in downtown Winnipeg. So you're going to hear sirens every 10 seconds. Yeah. We also have our windows open. Cause it's hot in here. It is like a plus. 57 degrees celsius and by 57 degrees i mean probably like what plus 10 or something <laughs> so we uh yeah we open the windows so you guys might hear some noise in the background hopefully justin can do his magic editing powers and get it all out but i'll try my best he's a wizard he's a wizard at this sure. he's our jamie pull that up jamie <laughs> shout out to the few people that will know this is joe rogan right? yeah <laughs> well he is the most famous podcaster Are we ever any of this then? i hope so anyway uh it's funny. How was your week, Justin? My week was pretty good. It was very busy at work. Uh, beautiful weather this week, which really lifted my mood. Uh, I'm not someone who I'd say has seasonal depression, but, you know, winter is rough uh, for the brain. So when that summer sun came out, it was so awesome. I went down to the local uh, basketball court, saw some buddies there I hadn't seen in over a year, and I uh, got to shoot some hoops with them and try to get myself back in shape. I think I mentioned on a podcast uh, probably maybe five or six or seven ago, um, but my heart felt great. Very pr- happy about that. Praise the Lord. Yes. So it feels good to get sweaty again. <laughs> that was worded weird. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but so yeah, good. enjoying the sun. My, me and my dad had a barbecue today, threw on the burgers, threw some Cajun seasoning in those burgers today. Oh, so good. So um, nice. yeah, 
pretty yeah, good week. The weather has been great. So then we're going to get into uh, the part of Philippians for today. And today we're going to be reading from verse 12 all the way till the end of chapter 2, which would be till verse 30. And uh, who's reading that for today? I can read. Sounds good. Let's do it. So I'm going to read 12 to 18 to start. Do everything without grumbling is the title. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering in the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Wow. Now that was read with some confidence right there. I love the hand movements. You guys can't see it, but there's many hand gestures. You guys will see it in one day when we make this into an also a video. Um, great reading. All right, let's dive in. Okay. So let's unpack this. How do you, any thoughts? Like, I don't know what you guys have to say about verse 12. It's interesting that he mentions fear and trembling, uh, but now with much more in my absence, continue to work out or to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't think he actually means fear and trembling as in like he thinks that everyone should be terrified. <laughs> uh, let's see. I have a cross reference. Second Corinthians 7 verse 15. And his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you are obedient to receiving him with fear and trembling. That's another one. I think I, I think I understand what it means. Unless you want to read well, a couple uh, the Greek word translated fear in this context can equally mean reverence or respect. So he could just be meaning work out your salvation with respect and reverence, I guess. The way I was going to say it is, yeah, it's kind of like, well, what does it mean to fear God, right? We're supposed to have a fear for God. Yeah. But I, that doesn't mean a we're scared of God. It means like we have and we humble ourselves before God mm -hmm. and we acknowledge his, what's the word? We acknowledge his holiness and we realize how far set apart we are from him. And we basically bow down to him in reverence. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is it's showing a fear of God, but not, it is hard, right? Because it's, how it's an we, immense, in I, I today's think, age, think of the word fear, we think of it in a very negative sense. Yeah. I think it might just mean an immense amount of respect. Yeah, and think to where about it's how... like he's untouchable. Like you know what I mean? Yes. Like untouchable as in we should he's holy. We should keep him our conversations and our thoughts about him um should indicate that that he's way, way beyond us and holy. Yes, because think about how much greater and stronger he's he's like so mighty. So we're all the way down here and he's up there, so we should have some fear in that sense. Like some it's, like wow, God It's like an awe of God. Yeah. And you're you're, it's a submission as well, saying that we are not holy, basically. Yeah, I found it interesting how it says how you always obeyed, not only in my presence, 
but much more in my absence. Like mm-hmm. they're obeying even more when he, Paul is not there with them, which is just, yeah, wow. I thought so too. So <laughs> even though Paul isn't there, he's well, even though Paul's in there, he's still requesting their obedience, but they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They're obeying, even though he's not there. And they're, he's trying to let them know that they're supposed to have that same obedience that Jesus had as well. Jesus had obedience too, and he wants them to also reflect that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like to me, at least that, um, that in the sense that they're now having more obedience, it's probably because they're growing more in their faith and they're starting to trust God more. So you can see the fruits more in their lives in that obedience. And it also says, work out your own salvation. So he still wants them to work it out. It's, it's still a constant battle, but he wants them to do it with fear and trembling. So he wants mm-hmm. them to do it with a reverence for God and an awe of God and not out of selfish desire without any sinful thoughts. He wants them to do it in a submission to God, which is how we are to live. It's exactly what God was asking us throughout the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then in 13, he says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Um, So he's saying like, you know, I guess he's, I guess he's just saying like, it's him, it's him, right? It's not us that's doing it. It's him. So it's like, you need to, recognize that so, and humble yourself before him for that for that reason something i want to add to that so it's not us that that give the salvation obviously god is the one who gave us the gift of salvation uh through his son right but it's still saying that there is a responsibility that we have too it's both the responsibility says work out your own salvation <laughs> so there's still a part on us there's still a responsibility on our end that we have to hold up but also, God is that one who gives us the strength to do it. Absolutely. I think yeah. Paul, in other um, scripture, points to that, how like discipleship is like a race almost, and people that... A quest. <laughs> well, he says, he actually does say race. It's like a race. And he's like, you need joke, to okay. uh, train intensely, and you have to be very, very focused. And so there is a lot of work that you have to put into it too, of course, into discipleship, yes. if you're going to follow him. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Moving um, on to 14. This one's interesting. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And then 15. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in the warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Hmm. Yeah. My translation has a few chosen words that are different. Uh, and I took my notes on those very words because I was confused about them. Hmm. Okay. What were the words? So... Mine says, do all things without complaining and disputing, which same thing as arguing. But the second part says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. So my note was harmless question mark. We're supposed to be harmless. That's what got me confused because I'm like, well, harmless sounds like we're weak almost. So that's what made me a little bit confused was is that something that we should strive towards is to be harmless, but harmless in what sense, I guess. But if it, if another translation of that word was actually pure, that would almost make more sense. That right? would, that would make more sense. Cause the only other Without thing I could sin. think of besides harmless was maybe innocent, like innocent before him, which would be pure, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that does make more sense. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe if you fulfill your duty, but com- complain, then you, if you fulfill your duty but complain, then you have still sinned, I guess. Um, I, I'm i guessing by not complaining, 
but by practicing gratitude, you are going to be happier and able to do more too. So it's just helpful to everyone if you practice gratitude and don't grumble and complain. So what um, do you think happens? First, Sorry, go ahead. No worries. In First Peter 4 verse 9, it says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, in Corinthians, it also talks about, chapter 10 also talks about the importance of not grumbling. And it just there's this theme all throughout the Bible. Well, I mean, there's many themes when it comes to morality, hence, you know, <laughs> the Bible. But um, there are many parts where it emphasizes just how important it is to express gratitude and to not complain or grumble in your duties and responsibilities. What do you think it does to our characters if we complain and dispute and argue it makes us miserable first mm -hmm. of all like gratitude there are many studies right now that show that gratitude is is one of um what was it now it's very correlated to people that are happy so like happy people are very unlikely to complain and grumble about doing the things that they're supposed to do in their life and like it, we've done experiments to go a step beyond like, well, it's correlated. It doesn't necessarily mean it causes it. And we've done studies to, uh, when I say we, I don't mean me, obviously. I'm talking about, I guess, scientists. And I should really have my, the material in front of me. But anyone can look this up. Just Google studies on gratitude or, uh, yeah, it's like studies done on gratitude or what's that one? The Gratitude Journal, I think, was the one study that was called where like they did experiments by taking people and they had them write down 10 things every day that they were thankful for into a book. And uh, overall, people that did do that uh, reported feeling. They also they did some kind of control group too where they, they had other people write down like things that weren't part of the study, but they told them that they'd make them happy or something like that. And like the people that actually did write down the, the things that they're supposed to be thankful for uh, did report feeling happier and um more like gratitude towards like the people around them and feeling more like affection toward people around them and all that kind of stuff more than any other group hmm. so gratitude is uh very important if you want <laughs> for your quality of life mm -hmm. it also will make you a better servant for god's kingdom but what is it about complaining and disputing and arguing is like what does that do you you told me like the things that gratitude does but what does these, oh, sorry. What do, what do these? I guess do? I just, I guess I just assume that grumbling and complaining is like the, the reverse of gratitude, hmm. right? Complaining versus being thankful. I guess. Um, what does it do? I, I guess just that it'll make you into a more miserable person. It will inhibit your ability to serve God for sure. Because you'll be more miserable about everything that you do. He doesn't want you to serve him if you're, or he doesn't want you to serve him with a heart. Like it, it says to give with um, joy in your heart. Emily, what do you think? Emily, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, on Justin's question? I think he's warning us not to do it because it just is the opposite of what we should be doing. Right? So we should be producing the fruits of the spirit and things like grumbling and arguing. They just, they do nothing good because if you're grumbling, you're just complaining about things that don't really matter most of the time. Mm -hmm. And if you're arguing, it's usually about things that mm -hmm. are like just trivial and they're not worth arguing about. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I think. For sure. And like if you're doing what you're doing 
Like if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like that's what you need to be doing. And if you're going to, so you could either complain and grumble about what you have to do in life, which will make you miserable, or you could be thankful and do it with joy in your heart, which will make you much happier. Like I, I don't, I don't, I just, I guess I just don't see it as a very, that was a very good answer, by the way, Emily. Yeah. It's very simple. And I think that there's much, there's beauty in the simplicity of it. That yeah. was perfect. Because I think, like, we shouldn't, we don't have to be positive all the time, but just being overtly, like, like expressing all these complaints that you have, they just, they don't really yeah, bring solutions. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off, Justin. What was you going to say? I was going to say, like, I think it ultimately shows when I meet people that just complain and argue and dispute, not only is it affecting them, but it affects people around them too. Mm -hmm. First of all, mm -hmm. I find the people that that I know of where that is pretty much their whole character is just complaining and arguing They're, It's very selfish because it seems that all they care about is things that affect them. Me, me, me. Oh, my day is bad because of this. I hate my job. I can't stand it here and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, first of all, how do you live like that? I can't imagine being so negative all the time. But not only that, but it completely affects the people around you. Um, I've had... Are you good there, buddy? <laughs> um, but I've had coworkers where I'm, I'm there in the morning and I'm usually hap in a better mood uh, later in the day. But still, I'm in a neutral mood when I get there. And then when sometimes when that person will walk in... And they're nothing but complaining and negative. It ruins my morning. I'm just like, man, you're right. Sometimes like part of me agrees. And then I get into a negative mindset. Or not only that, but then I start getting upset with my in my brain. And I'm like, why is this person like this? Why are they so angry? And also it gets me worked up. So I think people that complain and argue and dispute... It, it, it affects not only you, but it affects people around you too. Yeah, I guess that's a good and point. And I think eh? that really... I don't know. It kind of hinders my spirit too. Mm -hmm. Like if yeah. you're miserable, then the people around you can be miserable too. Mm -hmm. Well, often like your emotions are contagious. Like people see you smiling and they often mirror what you're doing. Yeah, that's it's just true. The way that you interact with people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're really right about that. Cause there's like, once again, I, I can think of someone where when I see them, they are bright and perky, huge smile from ear to ear. And I reflect that back to them. So I think it's true that I think he's warning that part of our characters because, well, it's not reflecting Christ at all. Do you think Christ complained once ever? <laughs> I don't think he did. Um, he was blameless. So, yeah, obviously, I think we should do it not only because of that, because it's all obviously also reflecting what Christ did. Mm -hmm. So in verse 15, mm -hmm. it shows quoted text. So children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, which then in the footnotes takes you to Deuteronomy 32 verse 5, which says the same thing. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they are a warped and crooked generation. Mm. This refers to the children of Israel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting that even back then, their generations were deeply morally corrupt and they warned against that uh my translation says a mm -hmm. crooked and per a crooked and perverse generation mm -hmm. which is a very strong word yeah um and in deuteronomy in uh 32 verse 6 which is the next verse it says is this the way you repay the lord you foolish and unwise people 
is he not your father, your creator who made you and formed you? Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like the way you pay him. So, so it's like, you shouldn't be corrupt. It kind of makes you like not his child, because if you're not acting the way that he's telling you to act, and if you're not actually showing like the same idea that we had last week when Philip was on, like with Jesus being the center of your life, you should be reflecting that. So if you're corrupt and perverse it's like you're not reflecting god are you actually his child like you're not mm. acting how you should be mm-hmm. and not only that but the second se- uh, part of that sentence says among whom you shine as lights in the world mm-hmm. so among this perverse generation you need to shine so it, it's like when you look up at this the sky and you see that one really bright star for some reason or an example i i was reading today about this verse it was it showed a uh a bundle of apples and all the apples in it were green except for one was red and that's the first one that's the first place your eyes go Mm -hmm. that's kind of what he's saying he wants us to shine as lights in the world among that perverse generation so he wants us to stand out and we've said it before that that is what we should ultimately want to have but not stand out in the in the bad way you don't want to be the rotten apple amongst all the good apples you want to be the one that shines bright i know that's a weird example but Mm-hmm. God is saying he, he needs us to stand out because of how corrupt everything else is around us. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is living according to the world's standards, but yeah. we need to and live according to God's standards. And like I, can, I can definitely think of some examples in my head of Christians that definitely stand out amongst everyone else where uh, they, def, um, they seem different from other people. Like their character... Uh, their quality of character and like how kind they are and everything. And I know, Justin, you can think of some examples too of people that are like that. And I think we should all strive to be something like that. Uh, I've heard like this argument about uh, this argument from people where God uses different types of people. So the type of person that's like crass and angry all the time and just blunt and all that stuff. Well, God needs those people. So I, I it's okay for me to be like this. And I get what I guess they're trying to say. Like, maybe bluntness is needed in certain situations. And maybe the Spirit should guide you. But, or not just bluntness, like other things too, I'm just saying. But I think, I don't think he's right because I think God definitely uses people that aren't good people. It says that in the Bible that he will, people that mean evil, like he'll turn that around for to help his kingdom more that he can. But I think we should all strive to reflect the fruits of the spirit. And one of the fruits of the spirits is, or some of them is like kindness, patience. And if you're just like this angry person over time is really blunt and offends people. I don't see that as reflecting the fruits of the spirit. I, I don't see how that can be correct. Yeah, you're right. You're right in that sense. And I do think that the way that certain Christians approach situations that i've seen there's many different kinds but one i can think of david wood who is an apologist uh who speaks out a lot against islam and atheism he's very blunt now he is a he is a diagnosed sociopath so he is someone who's obviously very um far from being able to feel a lot of uh remorse or empathy so Mm -hmm. maybe but god still uses him god still uses a guy who can't connect to his feelings to further his kingdom. Now, it's a very specific type of video he makes where he calls out uh, heresy and he sees corruption in, in Islam, according to him, and he calls it out. And, uh, I mean, he gets he gets death threats, <laughs> um, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But 
I, I do think that there are certain characters where that is needed, but still he reflects Christ in, in how he approaches it and the words he chooses to use. He brings up scripture all the time. So you're right that we do need to try to reflect the fruit as much as possible. And the people that I can think of that stand out like stars in the sky or stars, lights in the world, like this is saying, those are people that show that fruit more mm-hmm. than anyone else I can think of. And it's not because they're any good, like they're good or, or, or great, like on their own. It's because they're reflecting God. That character that you're seeing that stands out is the character of Christ. Yeah, and you could try to make the argument too that um, that these people just got really lucky and had really good families or something like that. And uh, and some of the examples I can think of that might be true, but some of them not. Like some of the kindest people you know uh, have been through quite a lot. And you would think that if anyone had to be the type of person that complains and grumbles and hates their life, it'd be that person. Or uh, it's just yeah, not having the fruits of the spirit or ever right. Like it would, if anyone, it would be that person. But it's not, not all the time. It doesn't have to be. So I've I've seen examples from both sides of where some that have come from really good families and some that haven't. But and I think at the end of it, like there is quite a bit of choice that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Your choices with Christ begin when you start to follow him. And after that, you have to make conscious choices to actually continue to keep that up, to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do and actually live out your faith. Yes, definitely. I agree Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may not run in vain or labored in vain. Mm Mm-hmm. Holding fast the word of life. I love when the Bible calls, well, sorry. I love when authors in the Bible call the book the word of life. Mm-hmm. I al- I've always loved that. I mean, obviously, I can th- think of a song called Word of Life by Jeremy Camp that kind of describes it. But it is completely the word of life. It's what gives me life. <laughs> but, yeah, I just I just love that phrase. I always have. Um, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may not run in vain or labored in vain. Mm-hmm. What do we think that means? I think, well, like to not run or labor in vain is like knowing at the end that it's all true. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like it wasn't done for nothing. Yeah. Well, the very first part, as you hold firmly to the word of life, that's just, I think it's talking about being grounded in his word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you stay ground, as you stay grounded, as you stay firm in your beliefs, uh, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor. Yeah, so all your work will not be for nothing. Mm-hmm. And when I read the word boast, I think about him like rejoicing that there is victory in yes, Jesus, yeah. that he did this and it wasn't in vain. And on the day of Christ, like you come to find out that like, you know, it would just be so satisfying to know that you ran the race and now you're finally getting what you set out to get, right? Like eternal life of God in heaven with your father, your creator, who you love and who you want to be for the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like having a life that wasn't wasted. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And and he's not making any light statement about your labor, Mm-hmm. Uh, like it is a lot of work for sure. Yes. And I think even, yeah, in Corinthians 9 verse 24, that was the one I was thinking of. 
uh, where Paul said talks about discipline, and he says, "Do do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They will do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever." Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, nor I strike a blow to my no. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I think that last part he's just talking about not being a hypocrite, but the part that I thought would relate to this is that oh, when he says, "Do you know that it is a race of all runners run, but only one gets the prize." Uh, he's not saying that, obviously, that there's only one prize and only one person's going to go to heaven. Like, he says only one person gets the prize, so run in a way as to get that prize, as if that was the case. Mm-hmm. So strive and labor in such a way with such focus as if there is only one prize. Um, that's how much effort you're <laughs> supposed to put into following Christ, which is a lot. Yes. Um, then he talks about strict training. And then he talks about how the reward is worth it. It's a reward that's eternal. It's quite the charge. It's quite the responsibility that Christians have to bear. I don't know if most of us actually take it that seriously. Um, If we have nothing else to say, I guess we can move on. So verse 17. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too shall be glad and rejoice with me. Glad and rejoice. I like that. So I'm being poured out as a drink offering on a sacrifice in service of your faith. What? <laughs> so I had to look that up. Um, so poured out as drink offering. I'm going to read this from a website I'm using here, EnduringWord.com. Uh, Paul here alluded to a practice among both Jews and pagans in their sacrifices. They often poured out wine or sometimes perfume either beside, as in the Jewish practice, or upon, as in the pagan practice, an animal that was sacrificed to God. Hmm. This is the drink offering, which accompanied another sacrifice that is mentioned in Numbers. Hmm. Um, And then the grammar of I am being poured out is in the present tense. With this, Paul indicated the possibility that his execution might be imminent. Hmm. So if I am being poured out as a drink offering, yes, and if I am being poured out, as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm mm-hmm. glad and rejoice with you all. So I think what it's saying is if this is his ultimate demise and he does end up dying here, it's okay yeah. because he is doing it in service to God. And he, he realizes that he is, mm-hmm. well, he he's poured out everything he can do into this and he will end up, he could end up losing his life. But yet, he is still glad and he still rejoices because at the end of the day, God's plan still ended up working out because people were brought to him. He was able to start churches and he gets to see him again someday. So mm-hmm. that's what I get from that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to sometimes relate to because the Bible has such old text, but that's pretty heavy. Yeah. I mean, like he gave everything he had. He gave, he ended up giving his life to further the kingdom. And I wonder how much that we will also do that in our lives. He valued nothing else. That was all he valued was furthering the kingdom. His entire life. Well, not his entire life. 
Well, it was killing nutritionists for most of it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> entire part of his life after yeah, he, he became uh, a disciple. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. No problem. Well, I think it's important to know it wasn't his whole life. No, I think it is important. You're right. But yeah. it was his whole new life in Christ. Yeah. Well, if he was raised in it, you could just say that, well, he was brainwashed into a cult, right? Mm-hmm. He was raised because, like, you know, certain soldiers or uh, countries were, were, were raised. Oh, never mind. I'm not getting into that. Never mind. I know what you're going with there. there but... Okay. So, like, if you can raise a soldier from birth and he would be completely dedicated. Yeah. But uh, with this, he had a completely different life. And, and he was probably was very wealthy. And he gave all that away to do this. All this sacrifice, all this sweat and blood, and his entire being um, made to be a drink offering, in his own words, uh, just to serve God. He didn't care if he lived or died as long as he furthered God's kingdom. And mm-hmm. so he remembered a life before that that was more comfortable. And he chose to do this instead. And not only was it just a different life, he was doing the exact opposite of what he ended up doing yeah. in the end. He was he started with Christ, k- killing Christians, and then he ended with making more Christians. Yeah, yeah exactly. What a Undoing flip. everything, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if a part of him was just like, uh, a part of him was just trying to atone for all the people that he killed. That could have been a thought that went through his mind. It, okay, well, it was probably, it was definitely a thought, but I don't think he, he kept it or wrote it down because... Uh, he knew I, yeah. he knew the truth that you know it's, you get saved by grace and not through acts. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like he's like, oh, I, I need to do this to make amends yeah, exactly. for the actions I did in the past. I think he was like, this is the truth, and I I've I've been able to experience Christ's forgiveness, mm-hmm. so I need to show that to as much people as possible. Yeah, because I want them to experience the same change that I had. If I can go from killing Christians to saving people, not he didn't save them, you know, but bringing them to yeah, the I faith, understand. then. Uh, if he can do it, surely anyone else can. Yeah. I think that's quite encouraging for other Christians too. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard, right? Cause we've all done things that we regret, mm-hmm. uh, some worse than others. And it's hard to sometimes knock it down on yourself and, and have self pity there. But man, like you've got it lucky and Christ still looked at you. God still looked at you and said, yes, I want that one. I, I want him. And, we can't take that for granted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it as being a sacrifice, we are called to be living servants and that's similar. Like we are supposed to be sacrificial. Yeah. We're supposed to give people similar love to what Christ gave to us. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to express that same sacrifice to people around us in the same way that Paul did. And it's just, yeah. are that we must actually be, going to do that? Are we willing to That must be pretty hard, hard to do lives? though. Be- well, because... It's exceptionally hard to do, like, okay, if you dedicate your entire life to it, you decide not to have a family and all that stuff, and that's all you invest your emotion and time into and your effort and all that, then it probably is easier than if you choose to work a normal job and have a family. Mm -hmm. Because if you do that, then you're investing your time and effort into other things, and then it's hard to not value those things more. So how do you become like, how can we be like Paul with working a, a you know, a, a job in construction and coming home to the wife and kids and going to their baseball games. Like, how can you value serving his kingdom so much to the degree like of Paul while investing um, your life into so many other things? It just seems like well, I think a hard thing to we do. we have to realize that what should we 
put as our primary focus? Should it be on this world? No. Or should it be on his kingdom and what he was calling us to do? So mm-hmm. I do, obviously, if you have a family, spend time with your family. And he called you to that family. He called you to that family, exactly. And, and you are to raise them responsibly and everything. But ultimately, we are to s- sacrifice our time to do what Christ called us to do. And we have to trust that mm-hmm. God's plan will work out uh, for, well, I mean, we have, to, we have to trust that God has a plan and we have to go along with him and keep in prayer and keep in worship of him and sacrifice the things of this earth that might give us momentary yeah. pleasure. Um, because in the end, at the end of the day, it is not really about what we want. It's about what God wants. And what mm-hmm. God wants mm-hmm. is he wants his children to come home. Yeah. And I think it's important, like God gives us the things in our lives a lot of them are blessings. Some of them can be hard, but we shouldn't grumble about like if you have kids or if you have a certain job, like you shouldn't be grumbling about the blessing that you asked God for. Like, oh, God, I need a job. And then you get yeah. the job and it's like, oh, this job, man. Like God gave us what we have and we're not all going to be like Paul, but we can yeah. live as Christians what we do have here, where we are at, where God put us. There's a reason that we are here in our current, like who we are in our bodies and our minds. Like there is purpose mm-hmm. behind where God placed us in this world. Well, I think that that wraps it up perfectly, Emily. Thank you. You're Justin, welcome. <laughs> do you want to end this podcast in prayer? Sounds good. Dear God, thank you for bringing us your word today. Thank you for us having the ability to share this, our thoughts amongst others. Um, God, help us to do this. God, help us to pour out ourselves as an offering to you. Help us to live trying our hardest not to complain and to dispute of these things that do not really matter at the end of the day. And please help us to embrace what you were asking us to, which is to be blameless and pure children of God. So God, thank you. um, And help us to all have good weeks in Jesus name. Amen. 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 That's all we got time for today, guys. As usual, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We have social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And pretty soon, TikTok, I believe. We'll be doing a lot of talk about that. And uh, at first, I was kind of skeptical because I was like, come on, guys, no one uses TikTok. And then Justin Googled it, and it's literally one-seventh of the entire world's population. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, probably. <laughs> We're going to look into it. Get a TikTok account. And we'll let you guys know when it actually happens. Absolutely. If it, does, it most likely will happen. Yeah. We do have a website, um, disciplesquest.net. Uh, Emily posts her blog there every Wednesday. It's quite good. Please go check it out. She also posts it on Facebook as well, so you can also find it there. It, our episodes also come out there just in case you're interested in listening to the podcast on the website. Oddly enough, we've been doing some research, and quite a few people listen to their podcast out of their browser. What was the percentage of that again? Like almost 20%. 20% of people listen to podcasts out of their browser. That's interesting. We have a newsletter that comes out every Monday for our Patreon subscribers. And speaking of which, shout out to our Patreons, Darlene, Brendan, and we have a new Patreon, Philip. Thank you so much. And just to refresh everyone's memory on what the Patreon tiers are like, we have a $3 tier, a $6, and a $10. So if that's something you'd be interested in doing, supporting us, uh, you can go check that out. If not, that's quite all right. We would very humbly and gratefully accept your prayers and any questions that you would have, actually. Um, there's a 
contact form on the website that you could fill out if you send us any questions. We really don't get a lot of questions, so it'd be awesome if you guys could reach out to us and ask us some more things or even share a story that you would like us to share on the podcast. You can also reach out, of course, of any of the social media too. We monitor those pretty closely. And thanks to all those that have engaged in the community. We really appreciate it. And may God guide all of you in your quest to become a better disciple. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Godspeed. Bye. Ha, 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 ha.